So Ecclesiastes chapter 12, beginning with verse 9. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Well, may the Lord bless the reading and the exposition of his holy word. In 2020, 1,000, sorry, 135,081 books were published in 2020. In Indonesia, in one year, in Indonesia alone, 135,081 books. Since the creation of the International Standard Book Number, ISBN, in 1967, from 1967 to 2020, the United States alone registered 39,876,731 books. But that's just the ISBN and just in the United States over a 53-year period. So that's only if you take one ISBN per one book. But if you actually count the number of books published in 2021 in the United States alone, just think of a number. 841 million books in the United States. And what we, we publish more books than we actually have people every year. Of the making of many books, there is no end. But there is one book. There is one book. This book, the study of which is transformative for your life. And the preacher, Solomon, the preacher mentioned in verse 9, he offers us an insight into the process whereby he writes Proverbs, which become scripture, but he notes for us very explicitly that the work that he is doing is not his own, but it is a gift. These are, hence the title of the sermon, Words of the shepherd, words of the shepherd. Verse 11, they are given by one shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David says in Psalm 23, and Solomon, his son adds, and the Lord is my teacher. The Lord is my teacher, and the words of the shepherd are true, they are useful, and they are few. That's what we see in the passage before us. They are true, verses 9 to 10, useful, verse 11, and they are few, verse 12. So first, the words of the shepherd are true. Now, it's interesting to me, I'm going to to take this little section a little out of order. But the preacher, I don't know if you noticed this, but the preacher seeks words of delight. Isn't that interesting? I think we tend to be suspicious of delight. But the preacher seeks words of delight And these words of delight, true delight, are also words of truth. We tend to think that what is pleasurable is dangerous, and it it can be dangerous. But let's not forget 
that the, the words of the shepherd that are true are also the source of tremendous delight. And in these verses, verses 9 and 10, Solomon gives us an insight into the method that he has of writing what becomes part of the Bible. First, notice that he weighs. That is, the, the preacher discerns what is true from false, the good from the bad. He, he weighs like with a scale. Then having set aside the, worst, the worthless stuff, the bad stuff, the false stuff, what does he do? He studies, weighing and studying. That is, he takes time to appreciate the good, the true, and the beautiful. He meditates on it. He considers it from different perspectives. Then finally, weighing and studying, the last step is arranging. He arranges things. That is, he carefully orders his Proverbs and he thinks about their delivery with a view to having the most significant impact with the audience that he has in mind. Now, we know that the preacher's wise, we get this in verse 9, besides being wise, but notice that he doesn't set forth as his goal the desire to display great flashes of wisdom that everybody can appreciate as much as wanting to arrange the Proverbs so that people really can understand. We know this because it says in verse 9, the preacher also taught the people knowledge. The goal is not to display his own wisdom, but to create an occasion for people to appreciate the truth themselves and to know it. Now, true words, sorry for a little slight philosophizing, but it's important. It fits with the passage. True words spoken do not guarantee knowledge in the hearer. Whenever I go to the uh, a medical doctor, true words are spoken over me, but it doesn't create in me any kind of knowledge, right? The, the words are true, as best I know, but they don't actually get to me. And so what Solomon is doing, and as we said from the larger catechism, what any good preacher must be doing is not simply to be speaking true words, but to be speaking true words with a view to the person hearing, actually knowing, appreciating, and understanding those true words. Sometimes knowledge is too great for us to grasp. I will never have medical knowledge of some of you in, I mean, maybe in heaven I'll have as much medical knowledge or more than you. Maybe God will be gracious to me in that way. But, but it would be foolish of me to think that I would have medical knowledge of a medical doctor here on earth. But, but we have, with the Bible, an even bigger problem. It's not just our ignorance, which we have in plenty, but it's also sin. And so the words are gifts from a shepherd, the Lord Jesus himself, who must send his Holy Spirit 
so that when we read God's word, when we hear his word, we actually come to a knowledge of the truth. What is effectual calling? It's a work of God's spirit wherein he enlightens our mind in what? In the knowledge of Christ, right? God, the Holy Spirit must do the work. And Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, as he says in John 10, he is the good shepherd. He, in a way like Solomon, Solomon gave Proverbs. What did Jesus give? Jesus gives parables. But the parables of Jesus aren't simply stories to tug at our heartstrings. The power of the parable of Jesus is that the parables communicate beautifully in a way that we can understand profound truths about God. The words of the shepherd are true. The parable of the lost sheep says that the good shepherd will leave the 99 and go find you, the one lost sheep. The parable of the prodigal son says that the son who squandered his inheritance can come home again and have a loving reception by his father. So these parables are powerful and effective precisely because they communicate truths about God. The words of the shepherd are true. The words of the shepherd are true, so we should learn from the words of the shepherd. We should study and meditate on God's word. These are given by the shepherd for our use and our benefit. And so we should study these words. And also, just as a quick aside, I, I, I chose the larger catechism questions and answers for us because our goal here is not to impress you from this pulpit. If you leave this morning saying, Jay is so smart, Jay is so gifted, I have failed you. I have failed you. But if you leave this morning saying, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, then praise God for shining light in the dark corners of your mind. The words of the shepherd are true. That's our first point. The second is the words of the shepherd are useful. We see this in verse 11. Now, the truth is always useful. It's always good to know the truth. But Solomon doesn't want us to be unclear about the ways that the the true words of the shepherd are beneficial to us. So first, notice how he calls, in verse 11, he calls the true words of the shepherd the words of the wise. He also calls the words of the shepherd the collected sayings. I think these phrases are actually interchangeable but emphasize different things. So given by the shepherd speaks of the source of the words, God himself. The collected sayings identify how they come to us as one book. Finally, the words of the wise tell us what to do with them. They should be on our lips and also how to test whether other people are actually wise. Do they speak the words of the shepherd? Now, these words then are of the shepherd collected in a book and on the lips of the wise. They are useful to us and they're useful to us in two ways. The preacher offers his own sermon illustrations. He gives us two two, uh, examples. They are like goads 
and they are like nails firmly fixed. So a goad is a stick with a spike. Yes, I had to look this up. So the, the words of the wise, the, the, the words given by the shepherd, they poke and prod us. They provoke us to move when we do not want to move. The words of the shepherd motivate us to act. Now, they should motivate us to act because we are grateful to our good shepherd. But sometimes, when we lack the appropriate gratitude, our very gentle shepherd nevertheless prods and provokes us through the goad of his word. We read our Bible and we are painfully convicted of our sin. That is a merciful, gentle prodding by our shepherd. Or perhaps we listen to a sermon and we find ourselves overwhelmed by the good news of the gospel. Well, then we have a different kind of motivation. We hear our shepherd's voice and we follow him into the fold of salvation. Now, the words of the shepherd are useful because they're like goats, but they're also useful in a different way. They're like nails firmly fixed. Now, nails put things in place. They secure them. They fasten something to something else. So the words of the shepherd are like goats. They motivate us. But the words of the shepherd, like nails firmly fixed, tell us what to believe. Tell us what hills to die on. Tell us carefully and directly what we should do. So what about you? Are the words of the shepherd useful to you? Do you actually pick up the Bible and read it? Do you meditate on the scriptures? Do you find yourself being convicted of your sin? Well, you should. The words of the shepherd are like goats. Do you doubt? Do you have questions about God? Are you not sure why God would permit so much evil in the world? Are you, are you uncertain of how to become a Christian? Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved is the answer from Acts 16 from Paul and Silas, if that is your question. Regardless, you should be reading your Bible and finding there truths firmly fixed. The words of the shepherd are true. The words of the shepherd are also useful. Now, finally, the words of the shepherd in verse 12, we see the words of the shepherd are few. Now, the word few sounds slightly uh, irreverent. So I thought of saying something like precious uh, because, I, I, you know, that communicates uh, in some ways that it's, it's rare. But I, I think given the contrast with the making of books, there is no end. Solomon's emphasis is actually on the fewness of the words. The, beware. The likelihood that you could run across a book that is not the words of the shepherd is very high. I mean, just imagine if somebody said, I want to grow in my Christian faith and I'm going to buy the first book that comes up on Amazon or the first book that I see in Barnes and Noble. This would be a big mistake. 
It would be a big mistake because the words of the shepherd are few. The Bible is a book of books. It's a collection of the sayings of the wise. It contains 39 books in its first section, the Old Testament. 27 books in the second section, the New Testament. It's just one book. It's just one book. Now, it is the best-selling book of all times, the most widely distributed book of all times, but it's just one book. The uh, Harry Potter, just by contrast, did you know that the series has sold over 120 million copies and been translated into 85 languages? That's really impressive. I don't know if I could name 85 languages. But the Bible has literally sold billions of copies. Billions of copies. And at least parts of the Bible have been translated into 3,658 languages. I didn't even know that there were 3,658 languages. But even though it is possible for you to access the Bible, it doesn't mean that you actually are reading the Bible, right? The words of the shepherd are few, but you have to read the few words of the shepherd. What do we do instead? Well, I Googled what is the most frequently searched thing in Google. And I was told, wait for it, to think of what, what you, you know, YouTube and Amazon. This surprised me because, you know, you can just go there. But anyway, so YouTube. Now, do you think, maybe you think, you know what, of the uh, Google process is 3.5 billion searches a day. 3.5 billion searches a day. A day. Maybe people are looking for YouTube, and then they, when they get on YouTube, they actually, you know, it's, they're reading the Bible. What's the most watched video on YouTube? 13.65 billion views. Words of the Shepherd? No. Baby Shark Dance. And you know it! Baby shark to do to do to do. I mean, you know it, right? It's terrible, but there you go. Now, Amazon is that was the other one. Amazon was founded in 1994. Its first full year of sales was 1995. Amazon keeps track of this stuff. So, what was Amazon's best selling book in 1995? Hopefully, combined, it was the Bible, right? Because there's so many different translations, etc., so many different versions. But the single best-selling book in 1995 was How to Set Up and Maintain a World Wide Website, The Guide for Information Providers. More recently, so far this year, the best-selling book is Atomic Habits, an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. Now, in 1995, it was a good idea to learn how to set up a website. And this year, you know, I haven't read the Atomic Habits book, but I've been told it's pretty good. But they're not the words of the shepherd. They're not the baby shark is not the words of the shepherd. The words of the shepherd are few, and they are true and useful. So go looking for them. Be dedicated to those few words. In verse 12, it says, Of the making of many books, there is no end. And I've already considered how many books we've made, but why? 
Why do we make so many books? I think, and then why, why the weariness of the flesh, right? And much study is the weariness of the flesh. Students, this is not an exhortation to give up your studies. But it is a recognition that we can study too much. We can give in to the desire to try to know everything. That we can, in fact, speak or write too much. Why do we do this? I think it's because in our hearts, we want to be God. We want to know everything there is to know. And we want to make knowledge. We want to declare something to be, and it is. But, and if you disagree, just think about our parents' first temptation. What was, what did Satan say in Genesis chapter 3? He says, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll be, your knowledge will be like God, knowing good and evil. Your eyes will be open. And, and we thirst for that. And so we weary ourselves with study and communicating all sorts of things that we think are knowledge. But we have to realize that the most important things in life that we could ever possibly know are in this book. And the words are few. And they are not things that we make true about the world. Instead, they are words given by the shepherd who loves us and who wants us to know the path of life. So God has given you this book. And so that means littlest kids, you should be reading this book. Oldest people, I'm not looking at anybody in particular. You should be, you should be reading this book. It's amazing how the words of God are few. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, what does Jesus say when he comes to announce his ministry? The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Right? The, the words of the shepherd are few, but they are precious. They are true. They are useful. They are good. You know, excellent communicators can speak powerfully in just a few words. 160 years ago, this past November 19th, Edward Everett took two hours to deliver an oration of 13,607 words at the dedication of a new national cemetery for the nation's war dead. After Edward Everett spoke for two hours, the Baltimore Glee Club sang a hymn. And then after some preliminary remarks, the president of the United States said a few words. You know these words, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. That was President Abraham Lincoln on the battlefield of Gettysburg, a battle that claimed 50,000 casualties in just three days in July 1863. He ends his speech with the national resolution that we know we have we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. In just a few minutes, 
using only 272 words. Abraham Lincoln honored the war dead, explained to the country why they needed to keep the Union together to finish the Civil War, and he set his place in history as a great orator in the English language. 272 words. Friends, Jesus has Abraham Lincoln beat. On the cross, he said, it is finished. Three words in English, one word in the original, and when he said it, it was finished. Your sin was paid for on the cross by Christ so that you do not pay for your sins, but you are set free. Jesus paid it all, we sing, because he did. So do we focus on the few words of the shepherd? Do we turn to the Bible to learn about the truths of this great shepherd? Or instead, do we stare at YouTube singing along with Baby Shark? Do we focus on insignificant details? Do we like to hear ourselves prattle on about all sorts of technicalities that have no real bearing on the world whatsoever? And remember, I am a philosophy professor. My head is full of technical details of no real world significance. So let us, friends, meditate on the few true and useful words of the shepherd. One last point here by way of conclusion. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 prophesies that the words of the shepherd will stand forever. He says the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Now when we think of Isaiah being a prophet, we rightly and appropriately, especially at Christmas time, think about the coming of our Lord Jesus. Isaiah was a good and faithful prophet about the shepherd of Israel coming to rescue his sheep. The virgin conceived and bore a son, and his name was called Emmanuel, God with us. And this son was indeed a wonderful counselor, the mighty God. And as we said, as we heard our assurance of pardon, Jesus was indeed pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. These all came true. But think here for a moment that Isaiah was also a great and true prophet when he said the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. This prophecy concerning the words of the shepherd are true today. Do you know that we actually have Bible translations for languages that don't exist anymore? So the translation of the Bible into a language outlived the native speakers of that language. So if you open your Wolfia Bible to Luke chapter 2, verse 14, you can read, Wulpus in Hashushtan, Gudaja, Ana, Arpai, Garabi, in Manam, Godis, Wilgens. I've got this one for the team. 
Glory to God in the highest, and on, earth, on, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. There are no native Gothic speakers today. The language just didn't quite make it. But friends, the words of the shepherd are still here with us, and they are here with us because they're words of the shepherd. And the shepherd is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has promised. He is faithful. He will surely do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would, more than anything, unite us more firmly, more deeply, and more wonderfully with our shepherd. We pray that we would trust the words of the shepherd, that we would receive the words of the shepherd, but even more so, may we receive and rest in the shepherd's love for us today and always. And we ask it in the strong and powerful name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.